you are my love at first sight, and though you're scared to be near me, my words penetrate your thought now in an intimate prelude. Your face framed in dark curls like a portrait. The sun shone through highlights of red. What color, I wonder, and how straight will it turn plastered back with the sweat of your blood? Your wet lips were a promise of a secret unspoken. Nervous laugh as it burst like a pulse of blood from your throat. There will be no more laughter here. I didn't even want to say. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, Bill, uh, that, that, the way you said blood. <laughs> <laughs> but the, there, there will be no more laughter here. Oh, that is classic. That is that is genius. Yeah, on on a comedy mm. poetry show, you've just said there will be no more laughter here. There will be no more as we laugh as we as we as we're just laughing our heads off about this murder. Oh, but poem. that's an awful, awful. That's a awesome. <laughs> That's an awesomely awful beginning to this podcast because we do have a different non-comic. <laughs> yes. Well, this was written theme today. This was written by Alaskan serial killer and, arse, and arsonist ah, Israel, Israel Keys. Keys. He <gasps> raped. He raped and killed eleven vi- victims in total, consisting of teenage girls. Jeez. He, he committed suicide shortly in jail shortly after writing this poem. In, in I read 12. a book about him. I didn't know that he had written he, poetry. I don't remember that being in there. He wrote that, and I guess he relished in their terror. You know, he, he it, it, yeah, it, he was one right. freaky, freaky yes. dude. You know, and we're talking about freaky people. We're going to talk about freaky people today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and poetry. And it's and, very much about poetry oh, today. Exactly. But, but people hand in hand. Be warned. We kind of got a, we got a bloody creepy. Yeah, thing coming it's, up. It's sort of like October and March. <laughs> I was going to say this sounds like a Halloween episode yeah. on, but it's March 9th yeah. when we're recording. 9th, I think, when we're recording yes, this. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a rainy So welcome everybody welcome. to Wacky Poem Welcome, Life. welcome. Yeah. yeah. This is the podcast where I, uh, Sean Perkins, and you. Bill Guthrie, try to try to get her train off the track. <laughs> uh, talk about uh, poems usually that people have left in our very inclusive and interactive little museum here, Rural Oklahoma Museum of Poetry. And uh, then we, you know, crack jokes and tell stories and absolutely make poetry accessible accessible. to people. Make it a party, party poetry. And we know there's a place for academic uh, study of poetry, and we know there's a place for literary interpretations and things like that. And we do a little bit of Mm -hmm. that sometimes. But the museum started. 11 years ago and is continued with a mission of making everyone understand, making them understand that poetry can be something that adds spice and flavor and interest and joy to anyone's life. Yes, and those niches are taken. So we're occupying our own our own unique niche mm-hmm. in the poetry world. Yes. And I, I think we found it. I think we're good at it. Yes. And I think it's going to be. Um, right. And I don't know, Bill, if it's because I we had a Facebook ad recently, but our numbers, listener numbers and hits on the website have really gone up I've noticed quite that a bit. too. You yeah. know, people are liking, commenting. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. So thank you all, all out right. there if you're Absolutely. a new, new listener and for our longtime listeners who've been with us from day one. We are now on, I didn't write it down. Are we on episode 72? Two, maybe. Two? Okay. I, 
Okay. That, that, that rings the bell. <laughs> 72 rings the bell because we were in our 70s. We were in yeah. our 70s. I need to get my garbled words out before we continue here. Yeah, I think we're on episode 72. Wow. So those of wow. y'all been with us from the beginning, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sticking with us. It is appreciated. Us. We have evolved. Mm-hmm. Well, one of our... <laughs> One of our, I our, no longer am a platypus. No, one of our <laughs> listeners actually <clears throat> posted uh, uh, under her under her photo a friend of hers. See, friend, I forget the name. This is the podcast I was telling you about. Oh, I love that. And I thought kind of commentary. And so I was like, "Thank you." Yes, <laughs> I appreciated that. Keep spreading the word, folks. Yeah. We we enjoy it. We yeah. think uh, we think we're doing a, an interesting and very different podcast from anything else out there. And uh, when we try to make it fun, and if it's not funny, at least it will be interesting. Yeah. If it's not funny, it's your fault. <laughs> for, for and if you like creepy poetry, creepy. Creepy we poetry. got something for you. If you like creepy true crime, we got mm-hmm. something for you. That's combining the best of both worlds. It is. You know, true crime is the number one podcast genre in, in oh the world, my gosh, of course. There's tens and thousands of Tens them. and tens and tens of thousands. Yeah, and I've yep. kind of dabbled in that a tad bit. You certainly have. <laughs> yes. With, uh, I, I co-host another podcast that's very infrequent, but it's... It's fun when we do it with Faith Phillips called Oki Noir. It's, it's cool. That's yeah. worthy of almost its own television <laughs> show, Oki Noir, with Leonard Nimoy narrating some of it. You know that uh, I had no idea you were going to read that poem or that that, that serial killer uh, wrote that, Israel Keys. But I do remember. Have you ever seen anything about him? I have not. Or whatever? I have not. One of the creepiest things about him I remember. Well, one of them was one of the, the women that he uh, abducted. She was in a little travel uh, trailer type uh, coffee uh, shop. Mm-hmm. And he went through the oh. window and grabbed her and I got her out s- like I saw that. that on television. Yeah. And... Uh, after he killed her, he posed her, even putting on makeup on her and doing her hair, doing everything, and took a photo of her and tried to make it look like she was still alive. Oh, my God! I think he was trying to get kidnapped money or something. I don't remember what that was. But, yeah. Ooh. I distinctly remember that was, on, that was on a 2024, uh, you know, my television program. Yeah. Terrifying. Now, now, the way that we're connecting that to, to poetry is because we do want to talk about that. Any of you all who follow any kind of uh, true crime know that there are, for some reason, especially ser- serial killers, like to get poetic. Mm. I like to get poetic. It's bad poetic, mm-hmm. but they like it to is, get poetic. It, often it is bad, correct. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it, maybe the bad poetry started with, with Bonnie. From Bonnie, Bonnie and Parker, Bonnie we talked Parker. a little bit of bad poetry there. Bad yeah. poetry. Mm-hmm. But, you know, people think of poetry as light and love and so forth. And when it does turn dark, it's a little bit fascinating. It is. And you and then you have people who, who write the, the dark poetry and they're so good at it, like, you know, the classic Edgar Allan Poe. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then you have people that are writing it just for dark purposes, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, again, kind of what we're going to talk about today. Yes. But it does beg the question at least for me i don't know if anyone else questions it but why poetry mm-hmm. why why is this killer turning to poetry right so we're going to ask that question we're going to sort of attempt to answer it i guess mm-hmm. um yeah. what's the link between but, poetry and murder <laughs> <laughs> because i i kind of hate it i kind of hate because it when a killer starts writing poetry and thinks he, and it's usually he, true, is uh, is so fantastic because mm-hmm. he can write these poems. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no. 
Do not yeah. use the poem in that way. Yeah, yeah. Don't darken. Don't don't darken the pen and blood. You know. Say that word blood like you did at the beginning. Blood. <laughs> See what I mean, people? Woo. Maybe maybe that's just a creepy word. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, today we have a a case. Like if I were a true crime podcaster, I would say today's case, today's case. <laughs> today's episode. is the, the case of a poet who was known as the, the poet, poet. Yeah. yeah, who was a stalker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And uh, the thing I find curious about this poet uh, that I sort of, it really interested me at the beginning was because it's not too far from us. Right. This happened in Just Wichita, over the, over the state Wichita line. Kansas, mm-hmm. yeah, which is... I don't know, two hours from here, yeah, I think, maybe maybe a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, we're in the northeastern part of Oklahoma here. And uh, so it happened happened in Wichita. It happened, the poet was really busy between 1978 and 1981, mm-hmm. um, the 70s, the golden age of the serial killer. Seems to be, right. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah, because the other interesting thing is that the... the uh, horrible serial killer known as BTK, Dennis Rader, was also in Wichita committing his dastardly deeds at mm-hmm. the same time mm-hmm. as this poet was stalking a particular woman. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So how about I just explain a little bit about sure. oh, yeah. about, yeah. about who this story. person okay. was, right. and then we're going to look at some of the poems okay. from yeah. the stalker. But so this this was in, as I said, 1978 to 1981. There was a woman in Wichita. She was uh, her name was Ruth Finley, and she was being stalked. She uh, was having some problems. She was being harassed. Um, She was getting these letters that were really threatening, and she didn't really bring them to the police's attention right away. But uh, she eventually did after she received several harassing, 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 harassing Harassing. phone Mm -hmm. calls and uh, some threatening letters. And apparently at least one of these letters had a poem in it. Uh, But Ruth lived with her husband. She was 48 when this started. Her husband was 50. Ed was his name. He was an accountant. Ruth worked in a security department at a phone company. In various places, I've seen her described as a housewife. You're very mild-mannered. Whatever. Average. She was working mm-hmm. in outside the home, so yes. I'm not sure why they were calling her a housewife. Right. Because she was also, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a housewife, but she was also working outside the right. home. Right, right. And um, they, they didn't appear to have any enemies. They'd had two sons that were they had raised, and they were grown and gone and moved away from the home. And so this was very curious that on November 6, 1978, they went to the the police department and reported some of these things that were happening to her. And um, you want to read the poem that was in that letter I'll, from 78? I'll read the poem that, that's, that was in the letter. That it's the first one. Here's to you, my tender valentine, red with blood and tied with twine. Nothing too much for a valentine, gone from here by a whim of mine. Mm-hmm. Mm. Getting deep. And you know, for a poem that's kind of, you know, sing-songy, rhymey, it's not a bad it, poem. I didn't think it was bad either. <laughs> yeah. The other two that were, you know, that I, I read in the article were, Yeah. I'm, I was like, what? Yeah. You know. We're getting 
some of our information, most of our information from the True Crime Database, that's a website you can go on there and look for this case that had uh, it has these poems that we're going to talk about. And then there was another one um, that I'll talk about in a little bit okay. that we got some information from, too. Right, but, right. but those are our sources. So she takes that poem, her and her husband, they're there talking to the police and telling you know, telling them about these things that are going on. And one of the things that the police immediately think about is, could this be the BTK guy? Mm -hmm. Because he um, was also in communication mm -hmm. with the police. That's another thing that serial killers often do, isn't it? it, it it's a taunting, cat yeah. and mouse, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, a mental game. Seems to be a common theme. It's a narcissistic yeah. thing, Narcissistic, isn't it? yeah, dare you to catch me. You yeah, to catch me. Yes. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so they, they immediately thought of him because nobody knew who he was and didn't for decades. Mm -hmm. Went on right. and on. It That's was right. 2005 right. before they caught that dude yeah. uh, by years. his own inept, stupid-ass mistake. Well, right, but it right. finally caught yes. him. <laughs> As it does, seem, it seemed to be. Okay, so so they thought about that and, and also because the, this is – Something that I guess probably not a lot of serial killers do, but that is one thing that, that they do is they harass um, uh, their victims with uh, commentary or they have communication with the police and or the victim. But not so many of them with the poems. Right. Yeah. yeah. So so interesting little poem there. There must be some sort of a, a psychological thrill they get. There's some mm -hmm. sort of a, a a reward system that they receive for doing this. Right. You it's know, not it's a thrill. It's not just the thrill of the murder. It's mm -hmm. also the thrill of other people talking about it. I think they, the being the master of what they think is the game mm -hmm. is some sort of a, a, a psychological thrill. Master of the game. And see, in that last line of the poem, says that you're gone from here by a whim of mine. By a whim. Because That's just kind a whim. of an all-powerful thing. Just a thing. whim. Yeah. You know, like I snap my fingers and you're gone. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that something an all-powerful yeah. person would say? Yeah. But I do I love the line. kill you on a whim. I do love the line, red with blood and tied with twine. <laughs> say that word blood again. Blood. <laughs> I'm going to start charging you. Charge. <laughs> Yeah, because on a couple of the other poems, the rhyme is very forced, and so yeah. they don't feel as good in terms of poetry. Here I am analyzing a stalker's poetry, but that, but this one, it does not feel forced. That seems natural to talk about, you know, that you're tied with twine. Yeah, natural for a killer to be thinking about tying you with twine. With twine, and to have the ego of whim of mine mm -hmm. makes makes sense. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, um, so the police start investigating, and the Finleys bring even, you know, more evidence. She's she's getting phone calls. They're getting more letters. Um, he she. They. It made me think about going back to the BTK. The BTK sent a sent a comment to the police saying, "How many do I have to kill before I get my name in the paper or national mm -hmm. attention?" Mm -hmm. Quote. I'm mm -hmm. just quoting him there. It's a, it's a quote. Yeah. yeah. So this is amping up. So the letters and the, the stalking and everything is amping up. And then eventually on November 21st, 1978, this is not much longer. This is only a couple of weeks after that poem that you just read. She was apparently abducted, Ruth was, by, this, by two men mm -hmm. when she was shopping mm -hmm. in downtown Wichita. So this is the first, I think, physical thing that supposedly so it's escalating the situations are escalating situation, right. situation they're escalating is escalating mm -hmm. 
And uh, so they investigate that. She doesn't have a really good description of the the guys who abducted her. She was set free, and I, I don't think she was really even harmed in that other than, uh, you know, emotionally. Yes, yes. And, um, and then we had a, a policeman, one of the officers, who began to really wonder about this. Well, well the, not quite yet. Well, because they were wondering— why wasn't she killed? Right. The BTK kills. This this woman was abducted. Yeah, and they began to think that it was so this like, was mm, not the BTK. Yes, yeah, something else. Yeah, someone this else. Is, this is something else mm-hmm. going on, and so they thought that okay, so that's our first line of investigation. We're not. We got two guys out there mm-hmm. doing this, and then she gets another poem, which is the river poem, mm-hmm. and um, so that came a, a few weeks later. You going to okay, read that I'll read the river poem. Okay. The river is searched for the perished. Horrors will hate me, but by men I will be cherished. Viper thoughts coil round my mind. Torture and agony are unkind. <laughs> okay, so there's there's a still a little, you know, this poetically mm-hmm. It's definitely got it, some imagery. It, it, it's imagery. <laughs> it's just a step down from the first one, but it's not a step it's not down. it's not not a bad poem. I yeah. guess if we're going to analyze <laughs> torture and, 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 and agony, you know. Yeah, and the the uh, rhyming is not as good because it is forced, especially mm-hmm. in the last two lines. Viper yeah. thoughts curl around my mind. Torture and agony are unkind. Mm-hmm. Really unkind? That's not. They're a little more than unkind, <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah. So that was like searching searching mm-hmm. for a rhyme to go with the mind, mm-hmm. and it doesn't. It just defeats the whole. Sorry, poet stalker, you just defeated your whole poetic yeah, purpose there with right, those right. two lines. <laughs> Give it away. <laughs> right. Okay, so then the police decide we just really need to surveil these mm-hmm. people and find out, you know, if somebody's coming to their home. Um, she eventually has an incident where she is stabbed. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost fatally. Almost fatally, yes. yeah. Three knife wounds and one of them punctured, punctured a kidney. Punctured, punctured a kidney. kidney. Yeah. And she was in the hospital for nine days. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, man, this we don't think this is the BTK, but this is really serious. Yeah. And they're looking at the poems. They're not really getting anything from the poems other than, you know, they're not clues yeah. or anything. Like, did that Zodiac killer, did he write poems? Well, that's worthy or of did research. He write, I'm trying. To, oh, he wrote things that were supposedly clues. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking some of the, some of these guys write write things that are clues to you know who's my in, next victim or poetry, why I did in lieu it. Of poetry. They, they, they'll, they'll leave a paper trail of, yeah. of, of verbal clues. Oh, it was supposed to be clues to who he was. Okay. Yeah, that nobody figured out. So anyway, so all this happens. They decide we we've got to we've got to. They offered a reward. Um, Three thousand dollars. Ed Finley's employer did three thousand dollars for information about who was attacking her, and um, they sent copies of the poet's letters and with the poems in them, I guess, to this psycholinguistic consultant. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know his findings. Do you remember reading that? Can you can you imagine? <laughs> some, what do you do for a living? I'm a psycholinguistic consultant, and automatically you're you're thinking. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm not sure. You know, I've got to act like I'm interested, but I'm not sure what's going on here. You know? I review and analyze and interpret serial killer right. poetry. Yeah. You know what? I'd love to do that. Oh, you know, it's 
with as much as that you would love be writing, a side gig. I would love as much as you love writing in in, in, in the bindings of books and throughout the you know which you like almost as much. Right. I mean, I don't know anything about psychology. I have a minor in sociology. Oh, that's that's a sister. It's uh, forty three years old, but <laughs> you know, still valid. There was yeah. eighteen hours of credit in it. I Actually, think, I think there was twenty one. Wow. Sign me up. I think poets are like bartenders. <laughs> I think people come to you for advice. I bet you they do, Sean. I bet you, you they do. Do you know in my office over there, my couch is kind of like you I've, know Lucy's little thing at the psychiatric. I've come booth. in. And, I've come in and laid on the couch and <laughs> pour, you know sort of poured my head out and you know said this is going on. I'm serious. People come in here just to sit on that and couch. You gave me the best advice. You said get off my couch. <laughs> I did not. I would never do that. No, you didn't. No, I, I learn. I learn all the town secrets when people come in here and I sit bet. on my couch. I bet I you do. And I keep them really well too. Yes, you do. Yep. Okay, and then we we're, we're working up all the way to 1980, and things are. It's it's kind of strange because we had these really horrible things of being abducted, and then we had her being stabbed, and now it's just kind of like little pranks. Like eggs being thrown at their house and uh, feces mm-hmm. left on the porch, a jar of urine yep. left on the porch, an unignited Molotov cocktail, mm-hmm. and firecrackers and in the mailbox and their Christmas wreath set on fire. Mm-hmm. Strange things. <laughs> Strange. Almost teenage prankish things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is this the poet stalker doing this? I mean, this seems. I don't know. It's a de-escalation. It seems a step down from stabbing a kidney. Yeah. Yes. And then their phone line was cut, and she found a knife wrapped in a newspaper at work. And then they found a piece of a red bandana um, that was in, I don't know, the mailbox mm-hmm. or somewhere around their house. And that seemed to be really shocking to her. But we think that's this is kind of strange because... Mm-hmm. You know, you'd think she'd be dead by now, the way things were escalating, and now they've gone down to teenage pranks. And she was still receiving... Uh, the she, letters and the poems. The letters, but she was also receiving, you know, a, a good amount of attention and, and, and protection and, and uh, from the authorities. A lot of attention. Mm-hmm. And the police chief in Wichita at the time, his name was Richard Lemunyan, he got really personally involved in the case in 1981, and uh, he even got letters. He and his wife, Sharon, got letters from the poet. Mm-hmm. And so he decided he's really going to look into this. He's going to take all the information the police have, and he's going to figure this out. There was like 15 volumes by mm-hmm. that time wow. at the police mm-hmm. department uh, on this, the, the poet, this stalker. And he also had finally gotten a little suspicious. Mm-hmm. Of the Finleys themselves. I, I think he might have got <laughs> suspicious of, of the reaction. And, I just and, snorted. And, and the attitude. <laughs> Sorry. And, and the attitude of, of, the, of, of this woman. You know, it's like, shouldn't you be behaving in this way or this way? I'm, your, your reactions are in, interesting to me. Yeah. 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 And I would not, if all of this was really happening to me, I would not be living in the same house. I would be living under a different name. I would probably be in a different city. I wouldn't stay there Witness protection. in the same place. Oh, certainly. To you be know, physically attacked like that. Because stalkers mm-hmm. eventually get you. Mm-hmm. You know, we've Spe- got, there's a lot of cases out there. Especially if you're a really de- a target that is determined to be. Yeah. Someone yeah. determined to be targeted. I mean, yes. and this guy is, is really using these poems as threats. 
and he does seem incredibly threatening. And so this police chief, Lemonian, he he just really wonders what else is going on. What here? am I missing? What I'm what am I missing? Yeah. yeah. And so he has them come in for a lie detector, polygraph test, and the husband passes. Mm-hmm. You know, he he does fine. He's clear of any involvement. And um, then they start, and she hasn't been brought in yet. And then they put surveillance on them. Surveillance was the gig, yes. And they caught them um, driving up to a mailbox and putting letters in, and they immediately went and got from the post office. They got into that mailbox. The letters were still on top, and one of them was a letter from the stalker. It, and it was, it was like everything caved in. <laughs> I didn't quite understand whether or not the husband, was he— he knew nothing about he, it. She just let him run by the nose. Yeah. You know, I need to mail some letters. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was like four bills. There were like four legitimate letters yeah. and then the letter she from snuck the stalker. Out, she snuck the poet's yeah. letter in there yeah, and I just mean, threw. That was a linchpin that just pulled out and everything else fell. Yeah. yeah. Well, when the police, like with this chief, when they finally, I mean, they had been so sure that this woman was being i mean why would you make all this stuff up they yes. were so sure she was being threatened and stalked and attacked and and you know she almost killed herself yeah. stabbing herself in the kidney and uh, they just couldn't believe that that she would be the one to do this and lemonian decided yes <laughs> people I'm, who need psychiatric help mm-hmm. will do things as extreme as serial killers yes. will. I imagine there was some pretty intensive questioning after yeah. that. Yeah. You know. And there was I, I underlined this in the in the whatever true crime database article. She said to him when she broke down and admitted it, she said well, she admitted she needed help. She said, quote, Yes, I wasn't sure I was guilty. But I did know something was very wrong with me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I assume she didn't really realize when she stabbed herself or didn't remember it or what did you call that? It, it, it's, it's a disassociative yeah. disorder where you uh, out-of-body experience where yeah. you disassociate. And she also said, quote, I wish I were dead. I guess I'm just crazy. Mm-hmm. She, she obviously did wish she were dead. She tried to kill herself. I know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and, wrote, succeeded. and wrote her own self-threatening poems. Yeah. So it's kind of like a, a suicidal thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's still a threat, but now we know that it's not a threat. I'm doing like you. But I'm I just wonder. My it's not a threat from an outside source. Wasn't she getting a, sort of a physiological, psychological thrill from she the attention? Be, from all of, the, be, all of this? Had to have been still getting that thrill like a killer does. Mm-hmm. Of, it's, it's, it's almost like an endorphin rush. What's like that? I'm, I'm controlling the snow globe. I'm shaking it up, and everyone's. I'm I'm outside looking in. It's yes. not Munchausen. That dis- disorder, because that's when you're doing it to someone else. Someone isn't else, it? yes. That's when you're purposely making you're someone purposely else purposely making someone else ill because sick. you want to be the hero and care- caregiver right. for them. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's sort of like that. Though. It is kind of like that. Yeah, you know, because she she's being seen as the victim who needs help. It's almost like Munchausen. To yourself, yeah, you're your own hero to your own self. Who you're victimizing? You're victimizing yourself, injuring yeah. yourself, saving yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's interesting. Why we're doing this on the show is because poetry is central mm-hmm. to all that. Yeah. Um, it was. We find out that she, when she does go into therapy, because you know she admits, I, I there's 
I really need help. And uh, she started therapy in 1981, and she went through a, a full course for years, probably the rest of her life. I mean, and she lived a long life. She didn't die until 2019, I think, um, but was in intensive therapy for quite a while. And that's when it came out that from the time that she was three, I believe, that she was sexually abused by a family friend. And there was an association with, uh, with the red bandana. There was some association because he... Um, tied her to a bed with the red bandana and so that's when she used that bandana mm -hmm. you know and planted that like it, it was the stalker planting it that was her remembering that abuse i would like to interview her sons and say did you ever suffer from anything that was unusual as a child mm -hmm. were you ever aware of any sort of odd behavior from your mother right you know we're trying to piece and the, and nothing i can find online mentions them at yeah. all not even their names I'm now, you did say that Netflix had uh, optioned this story from yeah, three years ago, or from so. a, yeah, and, four uh, years ago, two or three years ago, mm -hmm. and they were going to do a documentary on it, and maybe they still are, but I haven't seen anything about it. But there is a very long article. It's very interesting. It's on Truly Adventurous. That's an online magazine, and it was written by Corey Mead in twenty twenty one, and uh, that's where. He's the person, he's the writer, he's written several books, and he's a professor in New York. Uh, but he was the person who was, was optioned to, to take that story and turn it into a Netflix uh, show. Well, I don't know if it'd be a documentary. I think they were saying movie, wasn't mm -hmm. it? It was more of a movie. It would make mm -hmm. a movie, because if you read, go online and you read this article on Truly Adventurous, you will read through almost all of it like mm -hmm. it is a real story, kind of like we were doing to y'all as we did this podcast. You really think this is happening. Yeah. To her. And um, most of it was in her mind. I wonder who receives monetary rights for that. Not that it's an issue, but, you know, it, I don't, she's gone by 19, isn't she? Isn't she yeah. with us in the 2019, she's not so, here anymore. Well, I mean, I guess this guy who wrote the story. It reads like, would. A, it, it reads like a very interesting twist. You know, I, I'm, yes. not, I'm not sure why it did not make. Well, and I was reading it because I was not familiar with this case at all, and I was just reading along, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy is something else. He's stalking this woman and doing these things to her and writing this poetry, and whoo. Yeah. And so I immediately thought, we got to talk about yeah. We got to talk about this story. Yeah, we're intertwining, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, and I also wanted to talk about it because um, – I, I, I think we, we were talking about this before we, we started recording, is what do people, why do people write poetry? Yes. What are the uses of the poem? What is the poem in service to? Mm -hmm. And it was therapy for her because she says as a, as a child and then as a teenager, she wrote poetry to help her deal with the abuse that she I imagine sustained. it's often used as therapy yeah. in a healing process. Yeah. Write your experience, your thought down. Right. And, and at the end of this month, I'm actually going to Denver, and I'm going to do a workshop at the National Association for Poetry Therapy. Nice. So I've been thinking yeah. about this, too. That's yeah. a great organization that kind of goes along with the mission of the, the Poetry Museum that I mentioned at the beginning mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. that, yes, we are a place for really, really good poetry. But we are a place where you can also use poetry to express ideas that improve your life, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, 
So anyway, so she was writing them uh, poems as therapy when she was a teenager, and then something happened when she was 48 years old to trigger her to write them again, but this time as threats. Now, you mentioned therapy. We do have another another poem that she wrote here. Yes. And I, upon rereading this, I believe that, that she's reliving some of her very childhood trauma in this poem. Yes, because this is, are you talking about the Hickory Dickory? Yes. Uh-huh. This is a poem that she wrote when she was in therapy. Mm-hmm. So she went from writing the threatening poems to herself as mm-hmm. the poet stalker. And then when she was in therapy, she went back to writing the yes. poem as, as therapy. Yes, and I'll read, the, I'll read it okay. now. Hickory Dickory Dock. The hands fell off the clock. Run from the man and get away. My legs are gone, so I have to stay. The potty was warm and red. Hide the mess on the bed. I hate him. He feels like a railroad track. So, you know, we, we go from the rhyme. So I see this as a, as a sexual assault. Yes. On her. And she is, she's uh, putting it into words. Mm-hmm. And how horrific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it is a horrific situation, but I'm still going to talk about it as a poem. The rhyme does work mm-hmm. because she starts it off like it's a nursery rhyme. Mm-hmm. And she starts it off like a nursery rhyme because this happened to her when she was only three. Wow. You well, know. Yeah. The and, hands fell off the clock. It certainly did. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And the this is the best poem out of all of them because it is the one that feels the most honest. Yeah. I wonder what she meant. Run from the man and get away is what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. My legs are gone, so I have to stay. She can't. She can't get away for some whatever mm-hmm. reason. Her legs are gone, metaphorically or metaphorically and literally, and because she said he tied them to the bed so with she, the red bandana. So they're they're, they're gone. Mm-hmm. They're un, non-functional. Yeah. So there's the red bandana plus the fact that she's bleeding. Yes. Obviously, when she gets up and there's blood on the bed, mm-hmm. and I kind of wonder. I I didn't go any in in search of anything more from this, but is that really all of the poem? Because the last line doesn't have another line to go with it. You know, every line above it's a couplet. Two couplet. Right. And there's nothing to rhyme with that. But wow, isn't that a powerful ending oh, line yes. too? Yeah. I hate him. He feels like a railroad track. Yeah. Yeah. Very, in, very injurious to her. Yeah, only the way it's worded, because the image I kind of feel is like she feels tied to a railroad track. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's taking that old funny, you know, silent movie trope Mm -hmm. and and turning it into he is a railroad track. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And she's tied tied to him in a way. She's tied and being violated. Correct. Yeah. Ooh. Mm -hmm. That that's. Awful. Mm-hmm. It is awful. <laughs> it's just so it is awful. awful is not a not the appropriate word there, but yeah. So anyway, this all came out. The police had spent, I think it was in the neighborhood of three hundred and fifty thousand dollars on this case, trying to find this stalker, and of course they could have sued mm-hmm. the Finleys, mm-hmm. and they didn't. They just said, if you will voluntarily go into uh, you know, psych, psych, I lost the word. Psychiatric ward, psychiatric <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> therapy. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, then uh, then we will 
intensive. Press no charges. Yeah. But also, I think the police department probably learned quite a lot. Yes. You know, about other cases that might be similar to this. Mm-hmm. Look at all avenues, including the people that claim to be victims. Yes. Uh, and and, and they probably learned about how to to talk with people who are being stalked and to really understand the details of it and uh, and why it started. Because that was one of the things when I figured out, you know, I'm reading along and I kind of feel a little bit tricked, mm-hmm. you know. And I hope you all don't feel tricked, or no. if you do, it was maybe it was a good trick. Right, right. It's kind of like, <laughs> aha, yes. <laughs> but I'm going along and I'm wondering why. Why did she start this when she was 48 years old? What happened? There could be a triggering event. Yeah. There could be a triggering event that just opens the floodgates to all of this. Mm-hmm. You know. See, and another question I have is, did she keep writing poetry all of her life? Or did she stop when she was a teenager and then start it up again when she was 48? There were The article does mention a couple of things that could have been um, triggers. He was Her husband was hospitalized in 1978. That was the same year it started um, with a heart attack. And like we said, the BTK Strangler was active in the community. She was probably reading about him in the paper mm-hmm. every single day. And it made her think about that. And also fe- feeling like she was the victim of such a violent act at a young age and her husband's no longer around. She's unprotected. She right. must do whatever she can to protect herself. This is all hypothetical, you know. No, yeah, but that um, makes psychologically that makes sense that you're going to do something. All of a sudden these fears that you had as a child come back because yeah. you feel unprotected. Unprotected. And so what are you going to do? And uh, she chose to go back to that thing mm-hmm. that was helping her as a teenager but in this interesting way of turning mm-hmm. it against herself, yes. the poem as stalker, the poem as threat mm-hmm. to the person. Um, but it is it is pretty cool that she did, you know, after five years of sustained treatment, she, she did get back to herself, I guess, mm-hmm. in some way. I did see that she she did talk about it quite a bit. Um, she went was on Oprah in 1994. Uh, talking about what happened to her. And so she found a way out. She found a way out, and she found a platform and to possibly help others. Um, because her experience as a child, unfortunately, is not un- uncommon, unfortunately. I and, know. You know, and this, it's just not, it's sad but true. Um, yes. The, the vehemence of this poetry um, that she was tormenting herself with. I wanted to go ahead and read this other poem I, I found on the... It begins... It's the opening of Corey Mead's article on Truly Adventurous, and it has profanity in it, so I'm, I'm um, censoring myself. Okay. Why does your effed-up mind think without innocence? You can call your castle kings about my vehemence. Thoughts of me and your effed-up mind make you perspire. Your effed-up brain makes wants me to retire your effed up head knows i will win this war Mm. now that we know (laughs) that she was the one writing this to herself you can see the the struggle turmoil inner turmoil i mean Mm -hmm. that that's obviously you know the police and anybody else her husband who's seeing this at the time would have been you know horrified that someone was writing this to her and saying these kinds of things. I'm make you perspire because I have an effed up mind and um, I want to retire. 
but I'm going to win this war. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to win this war. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the brain can hold the body hostage. And oh, the, and, yeah. And that's, and that's what often happens. That's, the, that's yeah. a very cool way of putting that, well, Bill. Well, it, it, it's very true. It can hold the body <laughs> hostage. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's. That's our mystery. <laughs> that's the that's our mystery. That's the true crime yeah. poet yeah. Uh, story that we wanted to bring to you all today, and I hope you found it enlightening. And yeah. you know, of course, we weren't our usual kidding, joking <laughs> we selves. We interjected that, and for someone to say one last time, but we'll be back. I'm going to say one last time. Okay, blood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bye guys. Bye guys. <laughs>